right, let's lift up our hands and just worship him right now. God, you are so good. Come on, just speak to him right now. We've come to worship him in this place. Hallelujah, Lord. We love you, God. Come on, why don't you just come to the front. Start approaching. Start approaching the altar. The Bible says we can come boldly by his grace, boldly to the throne room of God. In your mind's eye, just start to imagine the throne room of God. Come on, come on. Come on, keep coming. Keep coming. Let's dim these lights if we can. Lord God, you're here. Your presence is here, God. And we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Come on, people. Praise him. Say, we love you, God. We exalt your name, Lord. We're ready to worship you, God. We're ready to worship you. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give him a hand clap. Who's excited to be here today? I said, who's excited to be in the house of God? Hallelujah. fighting for us. God is fighting. 
lift up your hands right now. We're going to plug into heaven. He is fighting for you. He is battling for you today. Come on, he is your victor. Christus victor. The one who has conquered. The one who has been victorious over sin and death. Hallelujah. fighting for us, pushing back the darkness, lighting up the kingdom that cannot be shaken. In the name of Jesus, the enemies defeated, and we will shout it out, shout Come on. it out. And God is fighting for us, pushing back the darkness, lighting up the kingdom that cannot be shaken. In the name of Jesus, One more time, and I want to hear you guys shout. God is fighting for us, pushing back the darkness, lighting up the kingdom that cannot be shaken. In the name of Jesus, enemies defeated, and we will shout it out. Let's sing that again. God is fighting. God is fighting for us, pushing back the darkness, lighting up the kingdom that cannot be shaken. In the name of Jesus. Shout of praise! Hallelujah! Come on, shout! Hallelujah! God is fighting for us, pushing back the dark. That cannot be shaken. In the name of Jesus, enemies defeated, and we will shout it out, shout it out. Come on, hold the hand of your neighbor right now. We're going to declare this as one, as one body, as one church, one faith, one truth, one baptism. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up your hands now and say, God is fighting for us. Lighting up the kingdom that cannot be shaken. In the name of Jesus, enemies defeated. And we will shout it out. Do that again. God is fighting for us, pushing back the dark. Come on, push it back. Lighting up the kingdom that cannot be shaken. In the name of Jesus, enemies defeated. And we will shout it out. Shout of praise in this place. Hallelujah, God. You're so good. You have won the battle, Lord. Hallelujah. You've won the battle, Lord. You've won the battle, God. You've won the battle, Lord. Oh. How many are excited in this place? How many want to praise him in this place? Yeah. Jesus. 
When I call. my God and my firm foundation. You're my God and my firm foundation. 
just a voice to sing I found the love this morning. Say, I'm alive. Yes, I'm alive in you. I'm alive in you. I'm alive in you. Oh, I'm alive in you. Come on, let's invite the Holy Spirit into this place. Oh, come on, if you speak in tongues, Start speaking in your prayer language. Let the Holy Spirit utter those unspeakable groans that you need right now. You need the Holy Ghost to pray for you right now. You don't know how to pray at all times, but the Holy Spirit can pray for you right now. Just speak in those tongues. Hey, 
Some of you have been resisting God. You've been coming here for a few weeks in and out. People have been telling you about Jesus. And you don't want to open your heart all the way. You say, but God, but God, I, I can't. Uh, my friends, my family, I can't give you my life. God is saying to you right now, open your hearts. Come on, open your heart. Church, let's pray for those that are struggling right now to open their hearts. Lord, help them, Lord, to see your beauty, God. Help them, Lord, to see how much you love them, that you don't want to hurt them. Oh, that you care for them. Hallelujah. Is there another word in this place right now? Is there another word for the body? He is. He is worthy. Lift up our hands. Let's lift up our hands right now and just worship him. Hallelujah, God. You are awesome, Lord. You are awesome. With your word, you said, let there be light, and there was light. Hallelujah. You separated land from sea. You said, let animals come forth. Let plants come forth. Let us make man in our image. You are powerful. You are powerful and we worship you, God. Oh, yeah. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. Nothing can compare 
Tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is under your presence, Lord. And Holy Spirit. You are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Come on, lift up your hands. nothing worth more. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of love when my heart becomes free <laughs> and my shame is earth. who's free in this place it's your presence Lord. come on lift up your hands and sing holy spirit say holy
on, church, sing it. So I want to encourage everybody to just worship him. Yes. For the, the word of God says to worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Yes. Saints of God, for those that are in here that know how to work, that understand this praise and worship, it's such a great privilege. Right now there is angels surrounding this place. Right now God's, God's attention is upon us. God is pleased. Right now, this is where hearts change. Right now, this is where your mind is transformed in the presence of the Lord. So if this is new to you, for those first-time visitors, I encourage you. It's okay to close your eyes and raise your hands and say, Lord, I worship you. Yeah, I don't understand it fully and completely. But if you put that ounce of faith, that mustard seed of faith in your heart to praise and worship him, your life will be transformed for good. So if we can praise and worship him one more time in his presence Holy right now. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome. Say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what I come on, lift up your hands to be over. One more time with everything you've got. Say, Holy God, that you called us and you have given us 
In Jesus' mighty name, let's give God a praise this morning. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. If we can find our seats this morning. I'm Pastor Berto. I'm the campus pastor here. We want to thank you guys for joining us. We love you guys so much. Where does that love come from? From the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, God is so good. Thank you, fam, for such a great, <laughs> great uh, anointing skills to lead us into God's presence. Every Sunday morning, we like to start with a message of salvation. For those that are watching via webcam, um, those that are here for the first time or or have visited before, if you're not born again, if you're not saved, you don't have, if Jesus hasn't taken away your sins, today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Today is the day of salvation. In John 3.16, it says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son. And whoever believes in him cannot perish but have eternal life. God is in love with the world. God loves you, okay? And he sent Jesus, Jesus, his son, to die on a cross for our sins. Oh, man, that is amazing news. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Yes, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for your sins, you will perish in hell. But if you put your faith in him, and believe what he did and you surrender your heart to him, you will have eternal life. And eternal life starts here and now, today. Jesus says eternal life is knowing the Father, the Son, Christ Jesus. This is for you. calling you to a, a personal relationship with him. It's not hard. It's simple. Stop sinning. You all, I'm like, you know what is sin? Sin is doing the opposite of what is right. <laughs> Lying, cursing, stealing, perversion, hatred, bitterness, unforgiveness. You, you might not so mindful of, okay, this is wrong, but today, you can know that it's completely wrong. And God will judge you if you don't get over your sin. He will judge you according to his righteousness. He's a just God. He'll judge according to his holiness as well. You don't have to live a life for your just a life of sin, a life on the way to hell. You can live a life for God. You can live a life for Jesus. The Bible says that we love him because he first loved us. Why should you love Jesus? Think about this. He died for you on the cross. Somebody's getting a revelation this morning about that. He died for your sins on the cross. There is no other way to get get to heaven, okay? Heaven and hell is not a fairy tale. Heaven and hell is not just a story. Heaven is real and hell is real. Jesus came to pay the price for you and I. The reason why you haven't given your life to Jesus 100% is because you've been into the flesh. Your, your, selfish, your selfishness, your own desires. The Bible says that if you 
sow into the flesh, you will reap destruction. But if you sow in the spirit, you will reap eternal life. You, can, you, you have a conscience that you can be cleansed and washed by your simple faith. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he died for you on the cross, you will be saved. Come on, you getting that revelation this morning? You can live a saved life. You can live for God. It's simply as surrendering. It's simply as no longer getting fed by the things of this world and by the things of your flesh. Every single one of us has, every single one of us has this emptiness in here. Right? There's, there's, there's a spot in our hearts, in our soul that only God can fulfill. God can satisfy. But so many people are going to alcohol, are going for, to sex and drugs, and are placing their, that, that inner, inner part or soul that only God can fulfill in other things. God can satisfy your life, not the sin and not the world, not anything that your friend or boyfriend or girlfriend can give you. No, only God can do it. God can God can wash you from your sins if you take courage this morning to say, Jesus, forgive me. I repent of my sin. Wash me with your blood. If we can please stand. Amen. You might be thinking, well, you know what? I can't get over my sin. You know, I, I, I was this way. I've been this way for a long time. And well, you know, Jesus says in John 3, 3, he says, just be born again. You have to be born again of the spirit, of the spirit, not of the flesh, not going back to mother's womb. But he said, the only way to get to heaven is to be born again. He's calling you to a spiritual life. No more living in the sinful nature. No more living in the flesh. Amen. And I want to pray for those that, that, uh, want to accept Jesus as their Lord for the first time or the second time, if we could just please close our eyes, bow our heads. For the saints that are here, that are born again already, if you guys could just also just agree in this prayer. Because we just saw the disciples. Just, just, just follow after me. Those that are, have not received God today, just say this. Lord Jesus Christ, I know I'm a sinner. I repent of my sin right now. I ask that the blood of Jesus will wash me. Holy Spirit, fill me up. In Jesus' name, amen. And I want to pray for you right now. I pray, Father, that in the name of Jesus Christ, that you give these new saints the understanding that you can, the understanding the revelation of being saved, God. Lord, that, that the sprinkling of your blood has washed their conscience and their hearts from sin once and for all. And, Lord, I pray that you would just lead them and guide them and cover them with your Holy Spirit. 
God, that your spirit will burn inside of them and your Holy Spirit will rest upon them, that your Holy Spirit will use them, that your Holy Spirit will give them the strength and the courage to walk holy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If, if that was you this morning, if you accepted Jesus, I want to encourage you. It's okay that you can come up here and, and talk to Brother Rudy. If you're a female, talk to um, Lily. Just come up for prayer. You know, say, hey, you know, I need some discipleship. We want to encourage you to get disciples. Have somebody in your life connect to you to shoot away from God. Amen. And we can recite this uh, confession of faith. We do this every Sunday. Amen. This is our Christian worldview. Um, so in the count of three. Everybody ready? This is an awesome thing, guys. Everybody, I'm like, there's, you know how many Christians, Christians are there in the entire world? You know? There's over 800 million Christians like us. That is a lot. We all believe this right here. Amen. Let's, let's, let's recite this together. One, two, and three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world and the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's not take advantage of this time to fellowship. Please come up for prayer. God bless you.
this morning. Make some noise. It is so wonderful to have you with us worshiping the Lord. We are so honored that you've chosen Metro I'm in love. If this is your first time here, we welcome you to uh, our service. If you did not receive this at the door, our ushers will hand one to you right now. If you could fill out the bottom portion, we would love to connect with you throughout the week. You can just drop it in the drop box in the back. Our main services here are every Sunday at 10 a.m. And then we have Elevate Fridays at 7 p.m. Those are our teenagers, 11 to 18 years old. They meet every Friday. If you know any teenagers, please invite them. We would welcome them with open arms. We are winning our high schools for Jesus. Our special announcement, again, we, I know we announced it last week, but we are having a Christmas party. Who's excited? Tis the season. I know there's some Christmas lovers in here. So we want to celebrate with you on Sunday, December 21st at 10 a.m. During our main service, we're going to have a Christmas talent show. So all of you guys can just show off and uh, let us hear your vocal cords and how your beautiful fingers can play an instrument. So if you're interested in being in the Christmas talent show, please see uh, Ishmael, and he will add you to the list. We're going to have free family portraits. There he is right there. Doesn't want to be unnoticed. That is your man. If you want to show off your talent, that's who you want to talk to. We're going to have free family portraits, children gifts, and baptisms. If you want to be baptized, if you've renewed your walk with the Lord and your commitment to him in the church, I want you to see Pastor Eddie Berto, the man that just preached up here. He will sign you up to get baptized. Welcome to your new life. Amen. So who's excited for our Christmas party? Just wave your hand. Come on. Our vision here is very simple. It's loving God, loving people. And we have a discipleship strategy that's threefold. First, we want to connect you to Jesus, connect you to the church. And we do that here at MPI through our life groups. Somebody say life groups. On the back of your handouts, we have all the lists of the life groups that are happening this quarter. So we're ending off our quarter in the month of December, and we want to give you a snapshot of what's happening just this week at MPI all around, uh, the different ages, different groups. So Tuesday, we have our Righteously Redeemed Youth, 11 to 18, meeting at 6 p.m. here at the church. Come on, make some noise, Righteously Redeemed. Then we have Tuesday, our single ladies, 18 years and older, meeting at 7 p.m. at Woodfield Mall. If you need more information about that, you could talk to Robin. Wednesday, our weekly King's Kids program, infant to uh, 11 years old, 6.30, meeting at the church. Parents, you could drop off your children, go have a date night, do some laundry, and come back and pick them up, or you could stay here as well. Then Thursday, we have the Resistance Youth Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m. here at the church. We have two Friday adult Bible studies, one at the Govea's, one at the Walker's, 18 years and older, 7 p.m., both have child care. So if you're an adult, that's the place to be on Friday nights. And then Saturday, we have our evangelism. All ages are welcome. Meet at the church at 5 p.m. Let's go street witnessing. How many of you guys want to tell somebody about Jesus? Come on. That's what we have for you. And then we want to mentor you. We want to take you through our book, Welcome to Your New Life. This is a 101 
done one-on-one. -on -one. And yes, we have people, we have leaders here that want to spend time with you, that want to pour into you. And when you graduate from the 101, you go into the 201, Disciples That Make Disciples. And this is our leadership training class where we raise you up to defend the faith, to be an elder or deacon in the church. And then we want to send you out to win souls and do it all over again. And you make disciples. And our goal here at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples with 50 churches in the city and 500 around the world. If you believe God can do that and you want to be a part of it, say amen. What, what? We say what, what for everything. It's not just an elevate thing anymore. At least I do. Amen. How many of you guys want to learn about tithes and offerings? Come on. Those, these lessons have been blessing me. I'm sure they've been blessing many of you. We want, always want to thank you for your generosity, your giving to the Lord. It does not go unnoticed by him. And we are winning nations for Jesus. We are in the last section of the book, the Disciples Giving Book. And today we will be on Lesson 6. If you could please turn with me in your Bibles to James 3, verse 14. Lesson 6 is on overcoming bitterness. Look to your neighbor and say, don't be bitter. Ain't nobody got time for that. So overcoming bitterness, lesson 6. The definition of a hindrance is something that prevents us from being obedient to God's commands. And bitterness is an ugly, ugly thing. It goes down deep into the root of our hearts, and God wants us to be free from it. Let's read the passage of Scripture in James 3.14. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Let's read the main points. Number one, bitter envy. Bitter envy can come into a person's heart when they think God has been unfair to them by blessing others. Bitterness refers to being angry and envy relates to jealousy. So let's not be believers that get angry and jealous about what God does for those around us. Whether it's they have a better house, more material possessions, their gifts, their talents. You know, maybe somebody up here is playing the instrument and you could say, hey, God, you didn't give me that talent. We have to guard our heart because we won't have time to think that way and allow the enemy to put those thoughts into our mind and give him that foothold if we are full of God and his abundance and are confident in what he's given to us. So we have to make sure that we're seeing life through the lens of the Lord, that we're seeing life through his eyes and what he's done for us to be grateful and thankful for that, not to allow bitter envy to have any place. Number two, selfish ambition. Anything we do or desire outside of God's plan for our lives comes from pride, and it appears in selfish ambition. Selfishness refers to being self-centered instead of being God-centered. And ambition is our wants, our desires. But as believers, we want his wants, his desires. And when we, you know, uh, tune into his wants and his desires and see life through his eyes, we will guard our heart from selfish ambition. And we will be God-centered in all that we do. Number three, don't harbor bitter envy or selfish ambition. Make a decision to not allow bitter envy or selfish ambition to dwell in your heart. It is a choice that you make whether you're allowed to stay there or that you're going to be set free from it. Amen? And here's a summary. Avoid bitterness by being Christ-centered and believing God will provide for you. Don't get angry at God. Don't be jealous about what other people have. You be faithful with all that God has given you, and he will provide. Amen? Let's all stand up to our feet together as we uh, learn about the application here. Be faithful in giving your tithes, 10% of your total income and offerings, anything you give after your tithe. 
Number two, repent. If you have allowed bitterness to come into your heart and bring envy or selfish ambition, Hebrews 12, 14. And that talks about um, let's, let's do our best to live at peace with everyone, living holy. Amen. Number three, ask God to remind you of his precious promises for your life. Let's not forget the promises of God. And let's declare them uh, instead of allowing the enemy to bring these things into our heart. Let's uh, profess this a powerful confession over our life and finances and all that God has for us. One, two, three. By the power of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of the word of God, I will not be hindered by greed, laziness, unbelief, discouragement, or fatigue in my giving to God. I will overcome bitterness, impatience, pride, fear, idolatry, and live a life of obedience in my finances. Amen. At this time, we're going to prepare to give our tithes and offerings to the Lord. We believe at MPI, like just I, like I taught, that a tithe is a 10% of your total income. So if somebody has a $500 paycheck from their job, how much belongs to the Lord? $50. And we want you guys to make sure on the envelope you're very clear and where you would like your monies to go. Uh, and then we have our offering, uh, one half of our offering. Sometimes we'll have a missions budget, and then we'll have a, a building fund. So right now we're in currently in a, in a missions fund. We're finishing off that 20000 that we need to go to the Philippines in the summertime. You guys have been awesome. We are totally going to meet that goal. Stay faithful. Keep giving. And on your envelope, make sure you're clear with the amounts in each section. Amen. Let's recite this together this morning. Who has it memorized? This is your test. Acts 20, 35. The Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Lord, we just thank you so much for your abundant goodness in our lives. We thank you for health and um, your prosperity. We thank you for oxygen in our lungs. We thank you that we could walk and work and use our hands, God. We don't take for granted those things. And I pray that everything that comes through our hands, we give back to you, what belongs to you already, God. I pray that you bless your faithful people in this place that tithe and give to missions, Lord, and support the local church so that we could win Chicago for you and win the nations. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Please come forward as you give this morning. Amen, amen. How many are ready for a baby dedication? Come on. What a perfect time to do it. I'm so excited. How many are happy to be in the house of God? Can I hear a whoop, whoop? All right, all right, all right. I want to call up Marcella Aguilar to come forward with baby Mia Isabel Caldron. Amen. Come on down. Take your time. Take your time. 
Look at this little one. And is this your father? Amen. What is your name, brother? Isaiah. Isaiah? Let's give it up for Isaiah. Amen. Well, we're just so thankful that you're here. You know, the Bible talks about children coming to Jesus. And the Bible uh, says the disciples try to stop them and say, no, Jesus is too busy. But I want everybody to see this because we're not too busy for children. Amen. So quickly go to Matthew 19, 13. And then we got a special little ending we're going to do, right? Okay. Matthew 19, 13, 15. We're not too busy for children. Children are a part of the kingdom of God. Now look at what Jesus said to the children. He said, then they brought the little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. See, that's what we want to do. We don't baptize babies because they can't make a profession of faith. But we have no question about their place in the kingdom because the Bible says right here that it belongs to them. So they don't have to be saved to go to heaven. Salvation comes when we are old enough to know right from wrong and make a decision of repentance. Can I hear an amen? So that's why we don't do baby baptisms. That's why we don't do uh, God parents and those things because they only need their parents and spiritual parents. God the Father is all that they need. Amen. But if you all want to do that tradition, that's still up to you. But that's as a church. We don't need to do that. They brought the little children to Jesus. He placed his hands on them to pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. We're too busy, Jesus. Church is too full today. We got to get to we got to get to praying. We got to get to doing preaching. And Jesus said, "No. Let the little children come." Everybody say come to Jesus. Do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. These little ones right here. These little ones right here. Can I tickle you? I'll either make you laugh or cry. That's there's no in between with me. And then the Bible says when he placed his hands on them, he went from there. So we just want to pray for her today, and we want to pray for you, and we want to pray for the extended family, and everybody that's going to come around her to help raise the child because we know that, that this baby is going to need grandparents and all the help that they can get. I know that uh, my parents, the ch my, our children's grandparents, are such a great blessing into my family's life. And so we just want to encourage you to raise him in the fear and admonition of the Lord. When the Bible says that, uh, fear and admonition, it just means for us to teach our children to fear God. Because if they understand one day they're going to stand before God in accountability, then they won't break the law. You know, they won't disobey you. You know, the Bible says for them to honor you. And then the Bible says when we teach them, when they're young, when they're old, they won't depart. So we're going to believe that Mar Marcella, or Mia rather, you're Marcella, that Mia's going to grow up to live for Jesus all the days of her life. Amen. And that think about this. This is weird, but I like to think about this sometimes of my children. One day, she's going to be a mom. And what do we want her to say? We want her to say, my mom taught me how to be a good mom and live for Jesus. Can I get an amen from the congregation? Come on. We're excited. And here's how we're going to do it. We're going to all stretch our hands like we're Star Wars and got the force. Why do we do this? Because we believe the Holy Spirit is going to give us the amen to this. We're stretching forth our hands in agreement, asking the Lord to say an amen to my prayer. Father, we ask you to bless Mia right now. We ask you to bless her life, keep her safe, grow her up strong. May she always know you and love you and serve you. Lord, may she fulfill all the purposes and destinies you have for her. 
God, I pray that nothing will hinder her, God. No peer pressure, God. No decision will knock her out of her purpose, God. But you will keep her and protect her all the days of her life. And now, God, I pray for the mother, Lord, that you will use her, Lord. That you will bless her, Father, God. That Marcella will live for you and put you first in all that she does. And I thank you, Lord, that she came to dedicate her child unto you, Lord. So give her the strength to be a disciple, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, for the father being here today. Isaiah, Lord, I pray you use him as the grandfather, rather, to encourage his daughter, Marcella, and his granddaughter, Lord. Use the whole extended family, God. In your precious name, we bless this child. And may your face shine upon her all the days of her life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. When they love Jesus, can I get another amen? Amen. 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 Y'all can sing it one more time. Say amen. 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 We just say amen all the time. Okay, open up your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians, or, or 2 Corinthians rather, chapter 5, verse 17. So good to see everybody here. Did you all eat too much or not enough? See, I hear that all the time, not enough, man. Mama makes so much good food, you can't get enough of it. I had a great feast. Thanksgiving was awesome. It was terrible watching the Bears lose. Wasn't that just sad? You felt bad for them. I was at my brother-in-law's house. He even had his dog in a bear jersey. It still didn't help. It didn't help. He was yelling. He got all mad at Cutler. And I'm like, man, we, this is depressing. Let's put something else on, you know. And then, and then you know it was bad because one team, the team that they were playing, who were the Bears playing Thanksgiving? Detroit Lions. They sacked our quarterback and then they did a turkey thing and then ate. Did anybody notice that? Like they basically called our quarterback a turkey. And I was just like, man, they've gone too far. Do you remember that? Like he did that little thing and he's like, mmm, you're tasting good. And then, like, at the end of the game, all they did was talk about the team that was beating us. And I'm like, why am I watching this? The guy makes our guy, the, the, their team makes our team look like a turkey. And then the sportscasters just talk about how awesome the Lions are. But I had a good time other than that. How many have a good time other than the team that you love losing? Amen. So that's okay. I was a Bears fan from 85 Super Bowl. Anybody remember the Super Bowl shuffle? That was the day back then, wasn't it? That was Walter Payton, William Singletary, the fridge. Does anybody remember the quarterback from 85? Jim McMahon, baby. All right, let's tie it into church now. Okay. 
So we're in a series on the new identity, the identity we have in Christ. And I have been just laying this foundation week after week. And you can go back and check out the notes. They're online. And now we want to get into some of the uh, specifics of understanding how to live out the identity of Christ. So today I won't be spending a lot of time on the review. It is there. You can go back and check it out. And uh, if you have any questions about the foundational things that we've been talking about, please see your 101 uh, leader, and they'll help answer any questions you may have. But today's message in the series, The Identity of Christ, is having the mind of Christ. Can everybody say that? One, two, three. The mind of Christ. So we're going to get rid of stinking thinking, and we're going to put on the mind of Christ. How many want to get rid of stinking thinking? How many want to think like Jesus? Amen. If we think like Jesus, we can act like Jesus. So the Bible says we need to think like Jesus. How many are tired of thinking like the way your neighbor thinks, the way your boss thinks, your coworker thinks, the way entertainers think? You see, if you want to change your behavior, you have to change your mind. So if you want to get out of what you don't like, you need to change. So if you're tired of seeing what you're seeing, the same old, same old, you've got to do what you've never done before. And where do actions come from? They come from our thoughts. See, let me, before I even read this introduction, uh, I mean, read these scriptures, get to the introduction of our notes, please, always online at mpichurch.org. But look at this introduction. I think you guys will get it right here. How many are tired of the merry-go-round of sin? That means you sin, repent, go right back around, sin again, repent, go right back around. You all get that, the merry-go-round of sin? How many are tired of that? How many are tired of the gerbil wheel of defeat? You can't get nowhere. You keep trying to live better. You keep trying to act better. You keep trying to change your life, and it feels like you're going nowhere. How about the rat race of human effort? Are you tired of trying to do it all on your own? Oh, I got to make it out of this rat race. I got to figure out my purpose. I got to figure out my destiny. Who wrote a book that I can get? What Oprah Winfrey show do I need to watch? Does anybody ever feel like they're in a rat race they can never get out? You're just always trying to figure it out. And then lastly, how many are tired of the broken record just going over and over and over of stinking thinking? Either your past, what people did to you, what people didn't do for you. Maybe you didn't have a father that was there. And you just keep thinking about how he wasn't there. It messed your life up. Uh, maybe you got a divorce and you keep thinking about what they did to you. Maybe, you know, people just treated you bad in life. How many just want to take off the record and put on some slow jams? How many just want to hang out and chill, amen? Just turn it off. Well, that's what today's message is about. Today's message is about the Spirit of God changing your mind. See, sometimes they say, well, you go to that church, you're getting brainwashed. You need to look at them and say, yeah, I'm getting brainwashed, and your brain needs to get clean too. How many know some brains need to get clean? I mean, where do you think curse words come from, right? You need to get your brain washed. You need to get your mind right. You need to learn how to do it. Now, it's easier said than done. It's easier said than done because sometimes we find that there's this battle that we begin to face between what thoughts should we focus on? What should be our meditation? See, everybody meditates. I'm not talking about sitting down and, you know, being like a Buddhist or Hindu, you know, going to yoga. But all of us meditate. We have about 50,000 inner thoughts a day. Did you know that? You're having thoughts about me talking about your thoughts right now, going, I don't even know I thought that much. You get what I'm saying? You think 50,000 thoughts a day, and you're meditating on many of those thoughts. And you know what most of those thoughts are? Most of those thoughts are negative. Not only just negative in a sense about being depressed or looking down on your self-image. A lot of women think about themselves continually how they don't like their self-image. Think about that, ladies. Think about how often you look at your hair and say, I like my hair, to how many times you look at your hair in the mirror and say, I don't like my hair. 
right? Think about how many times you look in the mirror and say, I like the way this outfit looks on me compared to all the times you say this outfit doesn't look right on me. We are more prone to negativity. 50,000 thoughts a day, most of them are negative. But I'm here today to tell you that you don't have to get on a rat race of trying to delete every file in your mind like it's a computer program. God can just clear the hard drive right now and give you a new mind. Are you all with me? That may sound too good to be true, but you can make an exchange today. You can make an exchange. Let's look at this scripture now, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Let's read it together out the NIV. 1, 2, 3. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Let's read the, the next translation, uh, New Living. That means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. Has anybody here had a new life begin? Amen. Those of you that understand that new life, this is real for you. If you haven't begun that new life, that's where you got to get born again. And that process, uh, rather that that is not a process, that's a moment, a transformation of your life. When a baby is born, yes, there is a process of birthing. But when it breaks out that womb, it can never go back in that womb. And so once you have repented of your sins and your heart's been right and you've been birthed in the kingdom, there is no more of a process, I'm trying to change myself, I'm trying to do this. No, you've either been born again or you're not. Is everybody with me? Either that child has come out alive or something tragic has happened. So if you're alive in the spirit today, born again, as the Bible says, can I hear an amen? Amen. The review is for you. I have it on the notes. You can go back and check it out. But today I want you to open up to Romans 8, 1 through 17. And I want to preach verse by verse through this passage in the Bible. Who wrote the book of Romans? Paul wrote the book of Romans to who? The Romans, people living in Romans. And what groups were they divided up in? Jew and Gentile. There you go. The book of Romans written by Paul the apostle to the people living in Rome. And there were were both Jew and Gentiles. Now, we're going to look at verses 1 through 17. I don't have time to read this whole passage, which is awesome. I would encourage you to do it by yourself. Do you know, how many of you got smartphones? Anybody got a smartphone, you know, Android, Apple? Do you know that you could listen to the audio Bible a couple minutes a day, literally 15 minutes a day? And if you did that 15 minutes a day, you listen to the whole Bible a year? Just listen to it 15 minutes a day. Come on, man. You got to turn off Ricky Martin. You've got to turn off. Does anybody still listen to Ricky? (laughs) Oh, snickerdoodles. Can't listen to Ricky anymore. If you just turned off whatever you're listening to for 15 minutes, push play on a Bible app. They have them all over the place. Bible Gateway is a free Bible app, Android and, and iPhone. You could listen to the whole Bible. The book of Romans, you could listen to that in about 15 minutes, the entire book. Let alone, if you just said, I want to watch, uh, listen to the chapter, you could do it in less than five minutes. But I'm going to read verses 1 through 18 and encourage you to read this further on when you have time this week. Can I get an amen for that? Okay, so I'm going to encourage you to read it on your own. Verse 1 through 17, track with me here and let the Lord speak it to you because we're letting the word speak and then me second. The word comes first, right? Okay, so you listen to this and make sure that when I preach for the next few minutes that it matches what you've heard. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. 
And so he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. Somebody say in us. Thank you. Who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Verse 5, those who live according to the flesh have their minds, everybody say their minds, set on the flesh. See, their mind set, see, just combine those two words together, their mind set is on the flesh. Their mind set is on the flesh. And, and the flesh, uh, they have their mind set on the flesh and what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set, mind set, on what the spirit desires. Verse 6, the mind governed by the flesh is what? Death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind give, give, uh, governed by the flesh is hostile towards God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot do what? Please God. Thank you. Hang in there a few more verses. Verse 9, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh. Somebody say he's talking to you but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives what? Life because of what? Righteousness. Thank you. Verse 11, and if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. The last portion, doing great. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we got an obligation, but it's not to the, our obligation's not to the what? The flesh to live according to it, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, thank you, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will what? Live for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the what? Children of God. Verse 15 and onward, last two, uh, three important verses here. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry what? Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Then we are, now that, that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are what? Heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with who? Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we also may share in his glory. Everybody say, Gloria! Gloria. Woo! Isn't that exciting? Now we could just set down the mic and go home and eat some leftovers. Right? I don't even need a job right there. Paul made it so simple. But I think God has given me his spirit to even explain it to you right now. To give more understanding to you. But isn't that so clear? If you just summarized it all up, it would probably be summarized like life in the spirit is our minds set on Jesus. Something like that, right? Or you could sum it up like this. When my heart and mind is set on Jesus, I'll put to death the flesh and be led by the spirit. Right? You can summarize it in a bunch of different ways, but the illustration that he's given us is very, very simple. When we're born again, we literally become children of God. How do we become children of God? By the flesh? No. By the what? 
the Spirit. So by the Spirit, we're children of God, and now our mind is supposed to think on the Spirit of God instead of what? The flesh. And we've talked all of last month on what does the flesh desire? What does your body desire? Evil things. Through the body, you are tempted to do evil things. Now, God will hold your soul accountable for what you do in this body. So everybody's body is going to die. Look at your neighbor and say, your body's part of everybody. And everybody's body is going to die, somebody. Are you checking me out? There's no way to get around your body dying. So when your body dies, your soul and spirit will be brought forth to God and be judged. If you lived in this body and you put your mind, which is a part of your soul, on the flesh, you will perish. But if you were born again and given the Holy Spirit and lived with your soul, focused and led by the Spirit, you'll receive eternal life. Because in the end, after the battle of Armageddon, everybody gets back their body. Somebody, some people's bodies are for everlasting destruction, and some people's body is for everlasting life. Which one do you want, life or death? Okay, are you guys ready for the breakdown? Everybody say, break it, break it, break it down. Okay, here it is. 17 verses being broke down by your pastor right now. Verse 1, no condemnation. What does that mean? In Christ, there is no longer a judgment upon us. Look at John 3.18 quickly. I want to go through a few of these scriptures. Some of them I can pass over, but some of them I can't. Let's go there quickly. John 3.18. When the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation in Christ, it means there is no, now no judgment upon us as sinners. Why isn't God judging me as a sinner anymore? What has happened in my life to transform that? To change my judgment from being judged as a sinner to no longer being judged as a sinner. What happened? I had to be what? Born again, right? So look at John chapter 3, which talks about being born again, and look at what it says. Whoever believes in him. So how am I born again, y'all? Believe. What we heard today in the gospel, uh, John three sixteen. whoever believes in him should not perish, right? So if I am believing in him, I'm not condemned, right? That's Jesus talking now. Is everybody tracking here? We're understanding what Paul said by going back to what Jesus said. But whoever does not believe stands what? Condemned already. Why are they condemned? Because they did not believe. Are they condemned because they rape people? Are only rapists condemned? I mean, we would all agree raping's a bad thing, so those people should be judged, right? We would agree that murderers should be judged. How many believe Hitler should be judged, right? But is that what it says, only bad people who do wicked things are judged? It says, no, everyone is already condemned if they haven't what? Believed in the name of God's one and only son. Who's, uh, what's his name? Jesus. So if you have not believed in Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, God in the flesh who died on the cross for your sins, rose again on the third day and ascended to heaven and is seated next to the Father coming back again. If you don't believe in that guy named Jesus, because you can just say I believe in Jesus, but you mean in Jesus who sells in Lotes on Fullerton? No, I'm not talking about Jesus. No, I'm talking about Jesus, the God-man came to earth, died on the cross, go to heaven, waiting to come back, right? That's Jesus, okay? You believe in him, you're saved. You don't believe in him, you're condemned already. How many here are outside, or, or rather, how many people here do not have the con condemnation of God upon them anymore? How many can say today, I am now no longer condemned? 
And that's because you've been born again. That's because God is in your life. Jesus changed your status from sinner to saint. Let's go back to verse 2 in the notes. This is called the law of the Spirit. The Bible says that the law of the Spirit conquered the law of sin and death. What is the law of sin and death? The law of sin and death goes back to Genesis when God first created man and gave him the law and said, if you disobey me by eating from this fruit, you shall surely what? Die. So sin brings what? Death. So there is a law about sin and death. Sin and death go hand in hand like peanut butter and jelly, right? Peanut butter and jelly, sin and death go hand in hand. But what conquers the law of sin and death? The law of the spirit. See, go back to verse 2. Just look at it. There is therefore, no, therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So should you be living in a rat race of sin and repentance and sin and repentance? Can you be forgiven of your sins as a Christian? It's a gift, is it not? It's a free gift. How do I think of that gift? I think of that gift like the Lord saying, hey, here's a tightrope. I want you to walk the high life with me. And if you should fall, here is a net. How many think that the Christian life can be a good example like that? So here's the tightrope. I'm going to walk it. And I think it's a wide path in the sense that God makes it easier for us. But let's just say it's a tightrope and I'm walking it like this, not a wide path of destruction. So let's say it's a narrow path and a little tightrope again. Okay, so I'm walking it. Now, if I fall as a Christian, there's a, there's a net, right? But should I go on that tightrope and start bouncing and go, hey, man, I'm just going to do all the sin I can because there's always a net down here. The grace of God is not used as an excuse to continue to sin. I'm no longer under that law. And what does law mean here? Principle as a matter of fact. The principle of the spirit says I don't have to live by sin anymore. Some people consider themselves a Christian but keep living at the mindset that they have to keep sinning. That the power of sin in them is so strong that not even being born again can God change their desire to sin. They think that as long as they're living for God, they'll never stop sinning and keep doing all these wrong things. So the best thing that they think about is not walking on the tightrope. The best thing they think about is jumping off and being caught all day long. But how many want to live like that? I don't want to live like that. How many times do you think I should try to cheat on my wife and keep asking for forgiveness and keep bouncing on that rope or for, uh, bouncing on the net of her forgiveness? How many, how many prostitutes would you let me have as your pastor and keep bouncing on the net of your forgiveness? So like last night, guys, I was with a prostitute, hollered at her, everything's good now, back in church, God forgave me. How many think that would be cool? You wouldn't. So, so why do we look at our relationship expecting more as pastor, member, wife, and husband, that, that we expect more there, but between us and God, we expect less, or we give less. And then what, what is the excuse we instantly come back? We're always perfect. We're all just human. No, the Bible says the law of the Spirit set you free from that stinking thinking. See, the law of the Spirit says you don't have to keep living that way. Now, here, here's, the, here's, the, here's the tension. Some of you still like sin. And that's the problem. See, when you really get born again, you're not going to like sin like you used to. You'll begin to see sin as resulting in death. So that's part of the mindset that has to happen. So how many here really don't like sin? 
and you want to change what you're doing. See, adultery may feel good, but when I think through it, I don't like the results of what adultery will bring. Now, what's the difference between me and the husband who actually commits adultery? We both know it's going to end up losing our wives, disgracing our family and children. But what does he do? He takes the mindset that says the feeling of having sex with another woman is worth the penalty of death to my marriage. But we have to stop as Christians and say, man, that's not, that's not good thinking. Having sex with another woman is not worth the disgrace of my family and having my children grow up without me in the home because I know she's divorcing me, if not catching the charge for murdering me. Amen. My kids may not even have a mom or a dad. I'll be dead. She'll be in jail being raised by her, by her children being raised by the grandparents. See, the law of sin and death is defeated by the law of the Spirit. When you got born again, you're on the law of the Spirit now. So you can tell Satan and the devil and temptation to pull over and give them a ticket for being in your mind. Say, get out of here, devil. You don't belong in my mind. You're getting a ticket. I'm pulling your stronghold down. Let's keep going. Verse 3. Verse 3 says that we have been given the sin offering of Jesus. Now that is the great blessing of forgiveness. Jesus became the sin offering. And what that simply means is in the Old Testament, when the people of Israel would confess sins, an animal would have to die. And the Bible gave them this principle. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. So on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, the Jewish people would sacrifice a lamb. And this is what God commanded them to do. It wasn't just their own idea. God told them to do this. And based on the lamb being slain, they were now able to receive forgiveness. Why is this? Because God's justice needed to be met. He just couldn't say, well, just be forgiven. Don't worry about it. See, like somebody could owe you $50, and you could just say, hey, man, don't worry about it. You don't have to pay me back. But could a judge say that to a murderer and just go, hey, don't worry about it. Just don't kill nobody. We, we can close court down right now. Would that be a fair judge if he had somebody in this courtroom who had murdered somebody? And he goes, hey, man, just don't worry about it. You don't got to go to jail. Everything's good. Just, just don't do it again. See, it's not justice. What does justice entail? Justice entails reward and punishment, reward and punishment. God is a just God. He rewards those who do good. So God is not a socialist God. We all don't get up to heaven and get the equal reward. All of us will be rewarded individually, capitalistic style, based on what we did for God. Amen? So some of you may just get in by the skin of your teeth and have a little Burger King crown you're trying to wave around for Jesus. Other of us are going to have these kind of crowns that the angel's got to bring over with a, like a big old crane. Boop, boop, boop. Here's the crown. Now, what is the reason why we get these crowns? Why is it we get rewards? So that when we worship God, we give it back to him, okay? So some of you just got in. You're going to give God that Burger King crown and say, God, at least you saved me and brought me here. I live for you two minutes out of every day, you know, or once, one hour a week. But others of you are going to have crowns for feeding the needy, taking care of the poor. These works are not what saves you. It's the works you did because you were saved. And you'll be remembered for that. The Bible says you'll be remembered for your good works. Now, going back to this idea of justice, Jesus became the lamb, the sacrifice. So why did he die on the cross? To demonstrate the principle of the law of sin and death. Jesus had to die for his sins. Did Jesus die for his sin? Was Jesus a sinner? So who did Jesus, who did, what sins did Jesus die for? Our sins. Rhetorical questions are good. Amen. Follow along. If you get embarrassed for saying the wrong answer, that's okay. Just play it off with your neighbor and be like, I was just testing you. 
Look at now verse 4. Why did Christ do this? He did this to, re, to meet the righteous requirement of the law. Because now some people want to look back at the law of Moses that required that sacrifice and, and, and say that was a bad thing. No, the law was actually a good and a holy thing. The problem was we kept breaking the law. So Jesus came and fulfilled the law and brought forth a new law, the new covenant, the law of the Spirit. And he did this, and it's called fulfilling the righteous requirements. And go there quickly with me to Isaiah 53, 5. This was prophesied about Jesus. So this is why not anybody could have been Jesus. For, for someone to have did just 20 of the things. See, Jesus had a prophecy. Does anybody know what a prophecy is? It's something that's foretold about something going to happen, right? Some people think Nostradamus could do this. I, I don't believe that. I really believe the only prophecies that are accurate and, and, and true are in the Bible. But follow me along here. In the Bible, there's about 40 prophecies, things that foretell about what Jesus will have to do to be the Messiah. For someone to fulfill just 20 of these things, like, for example, to be born in Bethlehem, to be considered a Nazarene, uh, 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 to be born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, to be a descendant of David from the Jewish people, to have been betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. That was a specific thing that said what happened to him. To then be uh, handed over by his own people to die by the hand of pagans. All of these things were prophesied. Somebody say 20 things. For one person to be able to fill just 20 out of the 40 prophecies, it would be like taking the state of Texas, filling it up with quarters up to your waist, painting one quarter red, stirring the pot of Texas with all these quarters up to your waist, and giving every one of us just one chance to pull out a quarter. What are the chances you would pull out that quarter? It would, it would just wouldn't have, it would be impossible. So just 20 fulfillments of Jesus' prophecies make it literally impossible. There could only be one Jesus. He was born of a virgin. He was born in uh, Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth. He was the bloodline of David the king. He was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. He was crucified by pagans because his people uh, judged him a blasphemer. And listen to one of the things that it says about him. Isaiah 53, 5, it says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. You would think if you ever have a Jewish person you're ministering to, you could ask them to read this and ask them, was this written before or after Jesus? Most Jewish people think this is a Christian writing, somebody after Jesus. But this is a Jewish person writing almost a thousand years before Jesus was ever born. Isn't that pretty awesome? Watch. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. That sounds just like the cross, doesn't it? When the disciples saw what Jesus, you can go back to the notes, please, point uh, four. When, when the disciples saw what Jesus went through, they made the connection and go, oh my gosh, he is everything that he said he is. He is the Messiah. He is the one fulfilling the prophecies. Now, what was that job? To come as a sin offering, to meet the righteous requirements of God so that the law of the Spirit could set us free from the law of sin and death. Does everybody get that? That's the most important part of this passage. Now moving on to point four, uh, five, verse five. The mindset can now be changed. I cannot, I could not, nor you could change our own mindsets unless the Spirit set us free. So let's just get this in our hearts real quick. You could not become a Christian by yourself. 
See, in our society, we think that you can. Well, you go to church, you believe in Jesus, you go to Christmas and Easter services, Christer, you know, anybody know Christers? They come on Christmas and Easter, right? And, and, and you do that, you're a Christian. You're all good. But that's not the Bible's definition of Christian. Sometimes we think a Christian is someone who maybe sings in the choir, was baptized, fulfills a couple, you know, does a couple of the commands. They don't kill nobody. They don't steal. And they're a Christian. No, no, no. The only one that can be a Christian, according to this passage and all the other passages, is someone who believes in Jesus and is born again. Now their mind has been freed from the flesh. They can now set their mind on the spirit and please God. Without that born-again nature on the inside of them, they still have the mind of death. So to just pick out some famous people, Mahatma Gandhi was not born again, had a mind of death. If the Pope is not born again, mind of death. If my sweet grandmother passed away, who, if she did not have the mind of the Spirit, she had the mind of death, that she was not born again. It does not manifest itself in religious, uh, the proof of it rather is not in religion. Religion does not prove whether or not you have been born again. Religion does not prove whether or not you have the mind of the Spirit. What proves if you have the mind of the Spirit is if you cry out to God as your Father, Abba, Father, and then live according to the Spirit. Because the Bible says, many will say, to, Jesus said, many will say to me on that day, I knew you. And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. You're a worker of iniquity. Does everybody get that? I don't want that to happen to me. I don't want Jesus to say, I ain't got time for that and push me away. I want to be the one he says, well done, good and faithful servants. So and now let's look at verse 5. Let's go back to the passage so everybody can see it. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the flesh and what it desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirits have their minds set on what the spirit desires. Now, remember, it's just a simple trick of the English language. It's not like I'm trying to show off. But if you just take the word mind and set and put it together, you got mindset. That's where the word comes from. It's just a mindset. Your mind is set on something. The Bible says when we're not born again, our mind by default is on the flesh. But once we are born again, we have a new mind, but yet we still got the same flesh, a body. When you got born again, did anybody here get a body like Angelina Jolie, ladies, or Jennifer Lopez? Uh, I mean, I'm still waiting on my Arnold Schwarzenegger model. It hasn't come yet. Okay, so when you were born again, you didn't get a new body, right? What did you get? A new a new uh, your soul, spirit, mind, will, and emotions, all those are the right answer. That was made new. But guess what? Your flesh is still here. So now you have a decision to make. Where do you place your mind? Now, this is where we had to make the distinction of dualism. Everybody say dualism. Mind and brain are separate in the Christian belief. Once again, if you don't believe in dualism, you believe in what's called materialism. Materialism says the mind and brain are the same. And what that means is when you die, you die. There's nothing afterwards. But if you believe in dualism, you believe that the mind, a part of your soul, if your body dries, lives on. How many believe your soul can live after your body? When your soul leaves your body, can it still think? According to the Bible, do, do angels think? But do angels have bodies? No. Does the Holy Spirit have a body? But he thinks. Does he talk? Does he have a will? Does he have emotions? Right? Do angels have will and emotions? Yeah. Some of them made the right choice in heaven. Some of them made the wrong choice, did they not? When uh, different ones have gone to heaven, like we saw Abraham go to heaven, and then he comes in a parable, and Jesus talks about him being with the, the, uh, the, the beggar who died. Is Abraham there in paradise able to talk to the beggar? 
Yes, but does Abraham have his body? No, his body is gone. His body is dead. So what does this mean? We are dualists. We believe in a spiritual nature and a physical nature. So when we are spiritually reborn, we now have a choice with our mind to what we put it on. What is our mindset going to be? Will it be to the body that I've had that is of death? Or will it be towards the spirit, which is life? There's the message in a nutshell. Is the spirit of God in you? You cannot be born again unless the spirit of God is in you. How many of you actually believe the spirit of God is in you? Okay, now are you crazy? Do you need to be locked up in a mental hospital because you've been hearing voices? You're schizophrenic. How many of you has God ever spoke to your heart and you heard him? Right? Very few of us, if many, have ever heard God audibly speak to us. But how many have, have, have heard God speak to your heart? When we say God speaks to your heart, do we mean that God spoke to your cardiovascular system and he pumped some red blood cells up in your veins? When he spoke into your heart, what do we mean by that? He spoke to your mind. His thoughts became your thoughts. And see, that's why we have to discern spirits, because spirits can also speak to our minds, and sometimes spirits tempt us. And it will sound just like our thoughts. Think about your mind as a radio receiver. You can pick up the devil's AM station or the Jesus Holy Ghost FM station. Okay? And so what the Bible is saying is that your body has a brain with its uh, instincts, because how many know, as I'm getting hot up here, my instinct to be more annoyed and easily agitated is rising. If you don't believe me, let's kick up the heat to 90 and see, watch you get easily uh, agitated, right? We use the example with women in a time of the month. How many know hormones affect women? And, and, and after giving birth to children, they call it postpartum, uh, depression, different things. How many know hormones are a big deal? Men, how many know testosterone levels are a big deal in your life? Is that spiritual or is that physical? So what does this show us? We are spiritual beings living in a physical body, yet that body can have desires. It's not us. I'm not my stomach when I'm hungry, right? I'm not my stomach when I'm hungry. I can say I'm hungry, but am I the soul, the spiritual nature of Joe really hungry? No. What is hungry? My stomach is hungry, right? If I died, will, my, will I live on? Yes. And will I be hungry anymore? No. You all get that, right? So look at the scripture. If I set my mind on the flesh, I'll set on what it desires. If I set my mind on the spirit, I'll desire what he desires. So the mindset that we're to have is between an it, our flesh, and a who, the Holy Spirit. So am I setting my mind on physical desires? Sex is a physical desire. How many know what a eunuch was? The eunuch was that they chopped off the man's reproductive organs and let him then help out the ladies in a certain like setting so that this man could not have sex or have a sex drive. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever heard of Viagra? Okay, why do men want Viagra? Because their sex drive has lessened, right? So is sex a part of a physical desire? Yes. What about wanting to beat somebody up? Is that part of a physical desire? Yes, have you ever been, guys, have you ever been wrestling with somebody, having fun, and you got tapped up in the nose like that? What happened to some of you guys when you got tapped up in the nose and felt that sting? Adrenaline rushes through your body, and you want to tear the whole thing down. You want to hurt somebody, right? Now, what does that teach us? That the body has a separate system of feelings and desires from our soul, but our soul uses the body. And so we must discern what is of Christ and what is of our body. But here's the good news. How do we know to do that? By the Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit resides with our soul and spirit and speaks to us. How many are ready to hear what Jesus has to say? Amen. Let's go to verse 6. Verse 6 then says, it's pretty simple. We'll go, go through this now quickly. The verse, uh, verse 6 says, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is what? Life and peace. So if I keep thinking on what my body wants, my body wants to get mad in traffic because I'm impatient. My body's hungry, so I'm going to get upset at the person at the checkout line. I've been not getting along with my neighbor, so I'm going to kick the dog when it barks at me. Okay, if I live like that, I don't even have a dog, so don't get all mad at me. I'm just giving an example. The eye there was a universal eye for the example of us here, okay? Okay, give me a break. Give me a break. Okay, but anyways. I might eat a dog. No, I'm just kidding. No laughs there, but I would. Anyways, life and death. Where, where does that thinking lead us to death? How do we know this? Bodies die. Bodies die. So what did David teach us in the psalm? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'll fear no evil. So when I see bodies dying, I don't fear evil because I know I'll live beyond my body with God. So what does God promise us by the Spirit? Life and peace. You'll live on past your body, and you'll have peace in this life. Just continuing quickly, like I said, the mindset on the flesh, verse 7, is hostile towards God. So when people have different religion, when people have rebellion in their heart towards God's commands, or when people simply have unbelief, they are acting in hostility towards God. If I come up to you and I say, uh, you know, hello, what's your name? And you go, my name's Bob. And I go, yeah, my name's Joe. And you go, no, you're not. Uh, and I go, no, my name's Joe. Here's my license. No, no, you're not Joe. And I go, yeah, I'm, I'm a pastor. And this one's always getting people. No, you ain't no pastor. Are you really a pastor? What's your church like, really? I mean, you know, it's like weird like that. But if I tell you, my name's Joe and I'm a pastor, and you're like, no, you're not. Um, you have made a decision, a proactive decision by disbelieving me. Everybody get that? What brings condemnation? Disbelief. How does that relate to Jesus? Jesus says, I'm your Lord and Savior. People go, no, you're not my Lord and Savior. I rose from the dead. No, you didn't. I came to take your sins. I don't even have any sins. See, by doing that, they are now hostile towards God. That's what happens to sinners when they die. Why do sinners go to hell? Because God just loves sending people to hell? No, people have a choice in what they believe. You have a choice. Some people say, when Jesus came, why didn't he just do miracles? It's, I mean, like, the kind that people would all believe it. Like, right fire in the sky, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, here I am. Or when they put him on the cross, why didn't he come off like Transformers or some superhero and just be like, you know, and just blast everybody? Why? Because that would take away the faculty of belief and free will. You would be manipulated now to believe in Jesus. You would be manipulated to do that. If, if I uh, give a girl, uh, well, that's a bad example, honest. I was going to go on some, some, some far-off example that not even I could save myself from. So if, moving past that, anything in my mind, I feel the mind of Christ coming through my wife right now. Yeah, that's right, married people. The mind of Christ usually is with the wife. She's got it most of the time. Um, but going to this life and death, we got that. Let's go to verse 8. The realm of the flesh. So the, the, the mindset is the realm of the flesh. Look to Isaiah 64, 6 quickly here. 
Isaiah 64, 6 describes what it's like to be in the realm of the flesh. Okay, let me give you this example. If I had AIDS, would you still want me volunteering in the hospital doing blood transfusions? Blood transfusion is a good work, isn't it? But me having AIDS is inappropriate to do that good work. Are you guys tracking with me, okay? I could do good works, but yet do more damage in the good work if I had certain problems in my life. This is the way the Bible describes people trying to do good works without being led of the Spirit. They think they're helping, but really they're not. All of us have become like one who is unclean. All our righteous acts are like filthy rags. All of them. So imagine you've just gotten shot and I try to grab toilet paper out of the toilet that somebody just used and put it on your wound. Is that going to help? It's disgusting. Why did I even come up with that example, right? Some of my examples are just terrible, just straight up terrible. Forgive me. I, did that. I couldn't think of anything other than a filthy rag. It's hard to think of another example out of a filthy rag, okay? But it, even though I was trying to be helpful, it would make the infection worse. That's what God is saying. You think without me, you helping people is a good thing. It's still filthy because you're doing it out of your own self-righteousness. You think your religion is a good thing, but it's still filthy because you're worshiping another God. Well, aren't we all the same? No. Could you call me Bob? Well, you kind of look like Bob. You got two eyes, two hands. No, I'm Joe. I live here. Well, you know, you, you and Bob both live in a house, and that's how some people talk about religion. Well, we all believe in God, and, and it kind of looks the same. They kind of talk about treating each other. No, it's two different people. He said, I'm not like anybody else. So, so even though somebody says, well, look at the things I do for my religion, God says, no, it's still filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. Sin sweeps everyone away. That's why it's hostile towards God. That's why Jesus died on the cross, to set us free from the law of sin and death and to give us the law of the Spirit so that we might set our minds now on the Spirit. Amen? And now here comes the good news because when we set our minds on the Spirit, we're in the realm of the Spirit, participating in the divine nature of God, having the power to do all things possible through Him. Does anybody like Philippians 4.13? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens. Who's that talking to? That's talking to people. People in the spirit, not in the flesh, backing it up. I can do all things. I can do no, no, no. That's for people living for Jesus. Oh, and by the way, just to tease you to want to go read Romans chapter 8, where do you think the scripture comes from? We're more than conquerors, that we cannot be separated from the love of Christ. That's further in this chapter. That's the promise to people in the spirit. They're more than conquerors in Jesus' name. Neither devil, neither devil, life, or death can separate them from God. Hallelujah. All things work together for them. Praise God. Is anybody in that realm today? And very simply, verse 10, the body is subject to death. We see it. It dies. We're losing our capacity in our body, many of us, gray hair, losing our vision. So why are we even deceived by it? We should look at it and see it's obviously not the path to go, right? So if rappers wanted to be prosperous, they should talk about the riches of heaven, not, a, not about a car that can rust, not about a girl's uh, a body that can change. Talk about the glories of heaven that never change. Talk about the things of the Spirit. What would you rather have today, a Lamborghini or love? 
And anybody who said Lamborghini, you've never had one. Because I guarantee you, we'll get people who've had Lamborghinis and ask them that same question. What would you rather have, this or love? You can ask people like Deion Sanders, famous sports stars or musicians who understand what God has given them is incomparable. Now, if you could have both, would you want both? Okay, we want to believe God for both. Amen. Just take me for a ride. Verse 11, in our bodies, God gives us life to live for him, and then one day will give us a resurrected body. Turn quickly to 1 Corinthians 15 as Rachel comes. This body is redeemed. How many believe Jesus raised from the dead? Why is it so important to understand the resurrection? His body is the first human body to raise from the dead, and we're next. We're next. We get a glorified body like him. He's already given us his spirit, so we're connected spiritually. And what finishes the work? The body. So how should I live now? By the spirit awaiting my body. I want the glorified body. Look at it quickly. Look at it quickly. 1 Corinthians 15, 52. 1 Corinthians 15, 52. Same author, Paul. Look at how he says it. We're waiting for immorality. Oh, not immorality. Oh, help me, Jesus. Oh, Lord. I just heard somebody, oh, my. Somebody just said, oh, my. Help him. <laughs> I could just see, oh, my. Help our pastor. Help our pastor, Jesus. He tries so hard. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, for we all will be changed. Come on, somebody say changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. Immortality, praise God. How many believe God is going to save your body and make it new and have it live forever? So we have an obligation, verse 12. We are obligated, the Bible says, to live by the Spirit and put to death the misdeeds of the body. How are we to consider the temptations of our body? Crucified with Christ. How many of you have ever been tempted since being a Christian? How many of you have ever defeated that temptation? Have you did everything you were tempted to do? No, because you made a choice to put it to death. Now think of the time that you did not put it to death and you acted on it. Was that God's fault or your fault? Because you even blame it on the devil. No, so what do you do now next time? Do what you did for the other sins, do it for that sin. How many are good at putting to death a desire to slap somebody? Y'all pretty good at that? You're pretty good at that, right? Praise God, you don't slap people. How many are pretty good at not stealing stuff? You're like, man, I just, I don't get tempted to do that stuff as much as I used to, man. You know, I used to steal, by the way, but I, I can't even remember last time I got tempted to steal. How many know pastors still get tempted to steal? You ever hear about them going to jail for stealing? It's happened. How many are happy your pastor doesn't give in that temptation? Praise God. How about this? How many of you married folk have been resisting temptation to have sex with somebody that's not your wife or husband? But how many of you used to have sex with people that weren't your husband? You see, we are getting it in steps and stages. And the Bible is trying to say, just believe it all. Just like how you believe you don't have to slap when you get angry, you, you hold yourself back. Just like you believe you don't have to curse, you hold it back. Just like you believe you don't have to have sex outside of your marriage. Well, do that with bitterness, forgive people. Do that with your selfish ambition, humble yourself. Do that with your giving, don't hold it in and be greedy. Give it back to God. It's the same thing. There is no big sin and little sin. You may feel sometimes that this sin is so big and the Jesus in you is so small, but that's always a lie. Jesus in you always conquers sin. How many have ever been in a dark room 
and you turned on the light? Did you hear the darkness fight with the light? Was there like an arm wrestling match? Was like half the room dark, half the room light, and it was like, yeah, and they're like, one. No, go into the darkest basement, you know, cellar you have, light a match. <sighs> light. That's what happened in your soul when you were born again. When you are tempted, <sighs> bring in the light of God, his word. Speak the word. The word of God is a lamp unto my feet. How can a young man keep his way pure by keep his way pure by living according to your word, O oh God? I have hidden your word within my heart that I might not sin against you. Hallelujah. Verse 14 says, now be led by the Spirit. We lead our children. Why can't we trust God to lead us? He said we should pray. How many believe Jesus told the truth? Would you think Jesus was a liar? Well, listen to what he said we could pray. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Do you think there's ever a temptation that you will face and Jesus will go, man, I can't do nothing about this. You're in trouble now. Man, just go ahead. No, just go ahead, give into it, and then come back and we'll work it out. Do you think Jesus is ever like that? Just, just go ahead. You already went so far anyway. Just go do it. Just, you know, we'll come back. I'll be here. We'll have a little chat about it. The Bible says being spirit-led, he is leading us always out of temptation. Always. So we need to learn to hear his voice better, don't we? If we're going back to that radio example, we need to tune in better. So we may be born again, but we may be hearing a lot of noise from the world. A lot of magazines, a lot of books like Fifty Shades of Grey, a lot of our friends speaking. We need to get in tune into what his word is saying and be delivered from our temptations. And is, is sin just bad because it's just bad? No, sin is bad because it brings death. It's the opposite of life. You want life, right? That's what I want. Now here's the good news. The Bible says because of this, God gave us his spirit and we're his sons and daughters. You do this because you're his son or daughter. You're not doing this to become a son or daughter. So it's not like your little orphan Annie singing outside of Jesus' home today. You know, the sun will shine tomorrow. Da, da, da. You know, you're, you're like outside of Jesus' house with a boombox on. Like, I love you, Jesus. I'm all by myself out here. I love you. And then Jesus like shouts from the window. All right, you better do some good stuff and I'll let you in. You better, you better do some stuff and I'll come down and think about it. I might. No, 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 no. Jesus is the one reaching out to us, bringing us in. And if we don't resist, we're brought into his house. And now he leads us by the Spirit. It's a great romance if you want to look at it in that example. Or it's a great dance if you like to dance. Or it's a great fatherhood with children. Whatever example from marriage to family to romance, it's all about God wooing us and saying, this is what I think about you. Now my children, because they're Wyrostics, are trained to live like Wyrostics. I'm not having an audition for children in the back saying, if you do X, Y, and Z, you can be a Wyrostic. No, Wyrostics were given to me by God. Now I train them to live like Wyrostics. All you had to do was believe you were made a child of God. And now he says, live like a child. Not because you have to, but because you want to because it pleases him. Amen. And then lastly, we become his children. Verse 16, for now and eternity and co-heirs with Christ. Everybody on judgment day gets what they deserve. Sinners 
get damnation. And Jesus gets a kingdom of sons and daughters. You see, the reason why we're not judged with sinners is because Jesus set us free from sin. Now we're moved into his justice. And the justice for Jesus is since he died and rose again, he gets to have a kingdom of saints to rule and reign with him for throughout all of eternity. Quickly turn to Revelation 26 in closing. And that is what you get to be a part of. So you get Jesus' reward. Y'all don't even believe it. The Bible says you are a co-heir with Christ. You don't share his divinity. You share his reward. Revelation 26. Band, would you come, please? We're going to end in an exciting, jumping fashion. Amen? Come on. Revelation 26. How many believe in this book? You believe it? Or do you think it's on the equivalent of Star Wars? How many saw the new Star Wars things coming out? Disney? It's coming out December 2015? I watched too many movies I can see here. Now, let me ask you a question. If I said how many of y'all believe in the force, as I teased before, would y'all say you believe in the force? If I said, how many of y'all believe in Luke Skywalker? Would y'all say, I believe in Luke Skywalker? No, I'm, I'm just being honest because some people in the world think we just believe everything. Right, you Christians, you just believe everything. No, we don't. I don't believe that nonsense. Why do I believe in Jesus? Because he died, rose again from the dead, proclaimed his message, and then ascended to heaven. And the 500 people that saw him preached about it, and many were put to death for the simple testimony, I saw him. That's why I believe in Jesus. Amen? Look what Jesus says it will be like. Blessed are, blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. That's what we're talking about, getting that new body. The second death has no power over them. What is the second death? The judgment to the lake of fire forever? When the sinners get a body for destruction? Because how do they feel all that pain with a body that never dies? So the second death has no power over us. But what will they be? Priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. And then after the thousand years for all of eternity. Can I hear an amen? If you believe you're co-heirs with Christ, can you give the Lord a standing ovation? Not a preacher, but Jesus. Come on, let's give it up for him. He didn't have to share it, but he did. You know, when you look at the, the, the Lord is my shepherd psalm, it says at the end, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Y'all ever seen a sheep in a house before? That sounds crazy, doesn't it? But it's not more crazier than sinners being born again with God forever. We didn't even deserve to be there, but he died on the cross so that we could be there and not only be there, but reign with him. Give you these points in closing. Here it is summarized. Number one, we got a new nature when we were born of the Spirit. Can you go back to the notes, please? New nature. Everybody say new nature. Altar workers, would you come, please? Number two, spirit focused. Somebody say spirit focused. 2020 vision. Number three, the mind of Christ. That's what I want. Everybody say mind of Christ. Live like Jesus. And somebody say reign with Christ very simple. When you're born again, you become spirit-focused, share the mind of Christ, then you can live like him and reign with him. When you think like him, you can live like him and you'll reign with him. I want to give you the scripture once again, not the whole thing, 
but a portion of it out of the new, out of the message translation of the Bible. And I think you'll get it in closing. Y'all ready? Listen to this. So don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing you can do is give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. This is a modern translation of the passage we just read. There are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us in unbelievable inheritance. We're going through exactly what Christ goes through. And if we go through hard times with him, then we will certainly go through the good times with him. Let's pray. Father, I ask today that we will live to live with your mind. With your head bowed and eyes closed, would you just take these few moments to focus on Jesus? Come on, set your mind on Jesus. If you haven't been born again right now, would you do so? This will be one of the last times in this service today. Don't leave out of here without doing it. For those who are born again, just set your mind on Christ. The first thing you can ask him is to show you. Say, Lord, is there any area of my life that isn't lining up with you? And then if the, he, he's, he gives that to you, that's conviction, not condemnation. Then just say, Lord, lead and guide me. Get born again. Have the mind of Christ. And now, for the rest of us right here, begin to set your dreams on Jesus, your goals, your aspirations, your ambitions. How many of you here are in marriage relationships or soon to be married? Have the mind of Christ about that marriage. How many parents here? Come on, mind of Christ about your parents. Have the a meditation of what God said about them. How many of you here have dreams for your job, for your financial endeavors? Get the mind of Christ. How many here are called to ministry and want to grow this church with us? Get the mind of Christ. How does God see this church? I'm going to give you 30 seconds right now to either get born again, repent of sins in your life, or set your mind on the things that God has for you. Right now, would you do that? Either Any one of those three things as the band plays, 30 seconds before we go. This is our meditation for God. Come on, somebody just sing something in the spirit right now, would you please? Meditate on Jesus. Set your heart on the Lord. Is my mind. Let him give your marriage life today. Let him give your family peace today. Your mind, God. Is my mind, God. Come on, there is the mind of the Spirit today for every situation you're facing. Oh, your mind, God. Not my will, God, but your will be done. Is my mind, God. Not my thoughts, but your thoughts in every situation I face today. Oh, your mind, God. I believe what you believe, God. I believe what you say is true. Is my mind, Five more seconds. Set your mind on Jesus. Oh, your mind, God. We make a decision to set our minds on you. Is my mind, God. Come on, now just raise up your hands and sing it out. Your mind is.